Hello and welcome to the quarter-final, uh, Super Rugby quarter-final reviews, or quarter-finals review. Uh, get this right around. Oh, jeez, it's very easy. It's round. Just go with the round review. It's uh, this kind of thing. Oh, it's all a bit of a tongue twister. Right then, let's uh, thank you for joining on Periscope. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to bring in the YouTube and Facebook crowds. Um, and then we will um, kick off. I mean, what a weekend of rugby, hey? Uh, some comeback wins, um, some near comebacks. Um, it was uh, really was quite a good um, a good weekend. And, oh, jeez, don't do this to me again, YouTube. Um, so. Hello and welcome to the Super Rugby quarterfinals review um, brought to you by Driving More. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving More, your best place for rugby predictions and opinion. Um, and, yes, yeah, sorry, we've got some technical issues with YouTube, so we're not going to be live on YouTube tonight. I will put a recording up there later. Um, so if you prefer watching YouTube, you can still do that and it will still be there. Um, but uh, yeah, tonight we're live, I say, on um, Twitter or, or Periscope, uh, to be precise, um, and also on Facebook. So thank you. Please do leave messages on both. Um, we'll get to see those uh, and uh, we'll go through that. Joining me uh, this evening is uh, the one, the only Shane. How are you doing, sir? Good, thanks, Paul. How are you, mate? I'm doing good, but I'm also having some. Uh, also, yeah, there we go. Let's get some some things. We actually can see you. There we go. People can see. That's good. Um, you're not quite centered, but hey, um, if you just move yourself to the middle of the screen, then we'll be uh, fabulous. So, um, we uh, had a great weekend of rugby, didn't we? We did. What a good way to start off the the final series, and um, out of four games, four winners, four we say goodbye to for another year. And uh, we've got four teams that um, make up our, our top four for the year. We do, and it's uh, um, it's not only it's the top the top four from the the ladder, are also the top the four that have gone through as well. So it's the four best sides um, you could say uh, going through. I know the whole bunch of people will say, "Oh, it's not fair," and blah blah blah, whatever. No, the top four teams in the table have gone through. They're the four best sides by the by the rules. Um, that was that everyone agreed to to start off with, uh, and so yeah, all's fair um, in love and war and all that kind of stuff. So um, we kicked off on uh, Friday night with a repeat of a game last weekend. It was the um, hurricane. Actually, before we get on to our predictions, were awful, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I think we were we were off the chart a little bit, Paul. Because I think we we went uh, we went Chiefs Crusaders. Uh, uh, Highlanders and Lions, uh, and in the end, so in, so yeah, we were two from four. Uh, so yeah, as, as as just a quick reminder, that our predictions aren't for your gambling. Um, <laughs> please, uh, yeah, don't uh, don't blame us for any losses. That's entirely uh, they're purely for prediction games, uh, like Super Brew. So do join actually drive more Super Brew uh, prediction leagues are a good fun. So yeah, Friday night, Hurricanes versus Chiefs, a repeat of the game. From uh, the previous weekend, except obviously the previous weekend it'd been Hamilton, where the Chiefs won. We were down in Wellington, and the Hurricanes won this by a single point. Makes it sound like a tight game. Well, I think I got the the point part right. I just didn't get the team right um, in in that prediction. But I think the Chiefs, you know, they. I think they played their grand final the week before, didn't they? Um, in in Hamilton, uh, with and um, going up to going down to Wellington. Excuse my geography for all the Kiwis out there. Um, well, you know, seventy minutes in, you knew it was not going to be the Chiefs' night that 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 Friday night. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know, it's, when it comes down, when you, when you look at it, you say, oh, it's one point, um, and the I mean, one of the points I made in the um, post-match review I gave was that actually, uh, in this game, the Hurricanes scored all their points, um, well, they came, or all their tries, they came, they came from an interception by uh, Julian Sevilla, um, he got another interception soon afterwards, and uh, clearly, had, uh, basically, the tank was empty, because he emptied it on the first run, and um, but the other three tries all came from set piece, uh, from, tri from from either from scrums or um, from um, uh, or, or from lineouts. Uh, first, well, I think one of them actually there was a there was perhaps one ruck, but basically, effectively, face first phase ball off set piece, 
that's going to be a bit of concern because I mean that's exactly what happened with Hurricanes beat the Blues. It was all off first phase ball, set piece ball. Um, they're not showing that. They're not being that uh, creative, are they? Once they after that, uh, after the coaching, the, the kind of um, the training ground moves are, are out the way. Yeah, and uh, well, I'll, I'll certainly have to give ten for the athleticism of Julian Surveyor. The the bus. Uh, leaped out of the air and plucked it out, and uh, I think Mackenzie Mackenzie had the right idea, just a poor execution. Um, and yeah, no, set a lot of set pieces in their game this time. Um, they outchieved the Chiefs, if it, it makes any sense, because the Chiefs are very good with their their set pieces and their crash running. So. They, they had a different game plan, didn't they, Paul, to the week before where they were chasing the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, they, they got lucky to get the lead because of that that interception. Uh, Grant Fox, one of the uh, All Black selectors, come out and said that perhaps uh, Damian McKenzie needs to improve his decision-making. Um, Andre, in on in the live chat, has gone and said, uh, DMAC showing again that he's not a 10. And... Um, Andre, I, I, I got to disagree with you on this one. I, I, I still, I think he is a ten, uh, um, but I don't. But yeah, he's he's a ten that takes risks, and the uh, and tonight or on Friday night, he took one or two too many, um, and uh, yeah, that caused the problems. But um, on the flip side of this, the Hurricanes made seven clean breaks. The Chiefs made twenty-five clean breaks, so which shows you that. The, the, the Chiefs were creating opportunities, but they got themselves just too far behind and just couldn't catch up. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of a lot of turnover ball as well. I think um, certainly I'm with you, Paul. McKenzie's a ten, um, and I think next year we'll he'll step that up another couple of gears on the old Volvo, but. Um, you know, he'll, um, yeah, you, I guess the moral of the story is that it was just this, and, and they had, obviously, Mackenzie and a few other lads coming in, but they just, um, the execution of the skill levels there cost them, um, and, um, yeah, in the end, as we said, down the pub, we watched this game, and over a few burgers or two, we said that um, you know the Chiefs, um, with their final two tries, were just way too late. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Jack's also saying DMAC is too risky to play for the All Blacks in a World Cup knockout match. Uh, again, I disagree. I, I think that uh, it's his first season at ten at Super Rugby level. He's played all his age group rugby um, at ten, and, and that's where he's going to be. Andre again another comment in, in the, on uh, in Twitter. He's gone. Um, Chiefs were sadly outthought um, and outplayed by a fired up Chick Kane side. And yeah, you got to say that, that that's very true. I mean, their line out, as you say, they got they got out outdone at the at the the set piece. Um, the Chiefs lost three lineouts, but they were that definitely they lost two early on, and that definitely meant that they lost confidence in their lineout, um, even though they only lost one more all game. And it was a bit. It also was a bit scrappy. But you're right. It's that turnovers piece. Seventeen turnovers by the Chiefs, eleven by the Hurricanes. And one of the things that I said in the the preview um, last Thursday um, was that the uh, that the breakdown was going to be an area to keep an eye on. Um, but I said that from the point of view that I thought Sam Kane um, was going to dominate that, not that um, Evans. Who I had pegged as more of a, more of an eight was going to have a, an absolute blinder at the breakdown. Yeah, the Chiefs are a good breakdown side, and uh, well, I think they were certainly they were definitely outplayed by the Hurricanes um, breakdown forwards. They were over anything like a rush, mate. It was just you know the the Chiefs played. A different style of game. They, they threw the game plan book out compared to where they did in that first half last week, where they had that win, and they were a whole different different team this week. And um, 
you think with engine room players like Sam Kane and, and Ritalik and, and those sort of things, yeah, they'd be on top of the, the malls, they'd be on top of the the line-outs and they'd be on top of the breakdowns and that wasn't the case this time, was it? No, it wasn't. And Andre's got another one. It's what happened to the informed chief centres on Friday night. Well, Lau Mappe um, also decided he was going to make up for Ardy, so they're missing their, the breakdown. And he clattered into Charlie Nartai several times. Uh, I think uh, trying to prove a point that just because Charlie's uh, going overseas, that's not why Lau Mappe's um, got the All Blacks jersey. I think trying to show that he is uh, much more the definitely the, the inform uh, and uh, owning that jersey. Uh, by by right, I think. Well, I, I think Charlie tried tried hard on Friday night, and and good on him. He got the last kick of the game as a sign of respect to his contribution to the Chiefs, um, and good luck to him where where he moves on. Um, but yeah, Lamapo La was really, you know, had a devastating impact for the Hurricanes on Friday night. Got to be said. Yeah, as you say, and it came down to the, the uh, scoreboard pressure. Um, and whilst it was a one-point game, um, the one of those uh, the, the, one of those tries to, to, to close it down um, was on 81 minutes, and Dave McKenzie had also scored another try on on 79 minutes. So, of those 31 points, 14 came in the last two minutes of the game. When and if you're 15 points behind with two minutes left, you're not going to score three times. Now, no. congratulations to the Chiefs for scoring twice. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Hurricanes knew that, that was, it, it was a more comfortable win than the scoreline suggests, basically, is what, I, is what I'm trying to say. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, the Hurricanes are the better team on the whole, not the night in the whole. I mean, Christian, Jack, and uh, yeah, everyone else is saying that as well. And, yeah, you've got to agree, they were fully deserved it. Uh, and from that, they now get to go down to, uh, to Christchurch for a, a semi-final, which is perhaps a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a poison chalice. Well, they go from the wind to probably um, a place where they uh, <laughs> wish they didn't have to go to in a knockout game to make the final. Uh, certainly the Hurricanes are up for those battles, but um, I can't, and I'll, I'll say it at another time and another date, but... If I could give you the the gauge of how I feel right now, I'm not going past the boys from the Canterbury Plains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more likely to be a bit wet than uh, um, down there than than in uh, the, I mean, rather than windy. Um, but um, I guess I mean, moving on to a bit before, just just slightly before we move on to that game, um, please don't forget to uh, um, share, like, retweet, all of that kind of stuff. It's all much appreciated. Thank you for show, show, showing the love. Um, um, for the show, uh, yeah. So please, please do that. Um, and yeah, moving on to that one. Crusaders forty, Sharks ten, um, thirty point win. And um, yeah, basically, um, the Sharks perhaps a little bit. Um, uh, I don't, I don't, perhaps the scoreline a bit, a bit harsh on them here. They uh, and this is one of the ones you had to get in your seat early, didn't you? Because the, the the Crusaders were were. Um, were, were were out 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 like a out, out like a bullet out of a gun uh, in this game. Yeah, um, certainly the the bulls jumped out of the gate, and um, it's it's always the crusade away. Um, work yourself into the game, work yourself into the game quickly, um, and out out muscle and out play the the opponent in every facet of the game and. <laughs> That's what they did without really. Um, I've got to say, they only just got the four-wheel drive out of the mud, but uh, it was certainly not the brilliant Crusaders, but it was a good Crusaders performance. Um, the Sharks at times just never looked like scoring and were very static in their phase play on many occasions in, inside and just outside that 22 particularly in the second half, they just didn't look like scoring at all. Yeah, it was a clinical display by the, um, by, by the Crusaders. Uh, came out early, the, the, the Sharks got their defence slightly wrong, and suddenly they were 10 points down. Um, Richard Moanga leaving his uh, kicking boots in, um, in the shed. 
Um, sorry, not 10 points down. There were 13 points down. There was actually a penalty in there as well. Uh, and so, yeah, suddenly it was 13-0. And it looked like... Um, and that was after 12 minutes. So we're going at point a minute here in that, uh, in that opening period. And it looked like uh, the Sharks could get absolutely thumped by a really big score. They, tightened, they, they sorted out their defensive lines and got themselves a, a, a try back um, as, as well. But it was, it was about sorting out their defence, really, um, because the, uh, the, 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 the Crusaders were just walking through them um, and initially. The turn... And the turnovers, Paul, um, from the from the Sharks were not that I felt that it cost them because they really and, and I love the Sharks, mate. No, I give them all the credit in the world for making the finals, but the the amount of errors they made, mate, was unbelievable. I think it was in that first quarter, definitely. After that, they I say they they managed to um, sort things out. Um, but that first quarter was, uh, yeah, what, what was was particularly poor. And, uh, yeah, as Andre says, yeah, the Sharks weren't that bad after the first twenty. Um, uh, they wouldn't have been happy at half time. Of course not. No, of course not. The, but you're right. And that's, those turnovers, eight by the Crusaders, which is it's good to keep it down in single figures. Twenty by the Sharks is a crazy high number. Um, if you give up twenty turnovers, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, uh, and that led to a lot of the the, the, the breaks. So Crusaders, 22 clean breaks in this game to the Sharks, 12. Um, so I mean, the Sharks had half the possession, half the territory, half the number of clean breaks, but they couldn't finish things off, um, as you've said, um, about with, 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 with those errors. Both lineouts um, had some problems on the night. Um, the Crusaders, amazingly, um, only 55% winning percentage on their lineout, which is awful for, 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 for a side. Um, the Sharks also lost four, but they had twenty, so they had uh, and they made it, they won eighty percent of theirs. Some some pretty shocking set piece work. Yeah, well, fifty five percent that's terrible um, for a side that obviously I think is very much the favourites and very much is renowned on its pride and, and work in the set pieces. Um, I don't think weather was a factor or anything like that for the game, so. Um, you know, few little rusty things. As I said, it wasn't the most brilliant performance I've ever seen from the Crusaders, I've, and I've seen many <laughs> to, to put you under the blankets and and and, and scare you. But um, uh, it was certainly a, a good working performance, if you like. But. Everybody did their job, and everybody worked. Um, when they had to defend, they had to defend. When they were in attack, they attacked. And when they were in the middle of the park, everybody got the four-wheel drive out of the mud when they had to. It yeah, just it's, um, we, we, we had the typical Crusaders thing of scoring around half-time straight after the... Uh, so not only did they start well in the first half, they also got themselves a try straight after half-time. And at that once that was done, you were kind of like, "Yep, this one's this one. This one's been put to bed." Um, they got a couple more penal, a couple more tries, uh, and uh, kept the uh, the sharks out in the second in the second half. And as you say, yeah, the, the sharks just struggled to make ground uh, around that twenty meter twenty around the twenty two twenty two line uh, mark. Um, some. I mean, we're looking and looking at this. I mean, Matt Todd had a decent game, um, three clean breaks um, as, as, as part of this for um, with 35 meters running, which for a forward um, is impressive. Um, and George Bridge as well. He's he, he's he's in some form at the moment, isn't he? He is. Uh, he was put on a put in a very honest uh, day's work for 80 minutes of rugby, if I could say so. Um, you know. He, um, He's just a very honest player, George Bridgie. He's, he's a speedster when he needs to, and I noticed that he played around the middle of the park as well. So he's not afraid to to move around and help his mates. And Matt Todd, I got to say, also Paul, and this is something we constantly said, sitting down that table. Um, we said 
that Todd had the best apprenticeship in the in world rugby, learning from Richie McCaw. And that's no word of a lie. He was enormous at the breakdown. I think we counted three or four turnovers alone just for not releasing from the Sharks. So that tells you he can his his line speed's perfect and he knows when to get in the ball get the ball back and um, help his mates get that ball further up the field. He's an immense talent. He is he also put in a big shift on the on defence as well, fourteen tackles meant he was second highest for his for his team. Um, amazingly enough Jack Goodhue um, topped the tackle count for the Crusaders on sixteen. Um, not as many as um, as Paul uh, on, on the, the Sharks who put in 19 tackles and non-missed which is an amazing amazing piece of work but yeah good Hugh perhaps not the, the, the flashy kind of game we've seen from him in rec- uh, this, this season but uh, but yeah a, 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 a yeah, good good chunk of work he got that he got through yeah if you if you do 16 tackles in defence um, you're putting in shift somewhere else and naturally we, we want to see that running style of play that Good Q has. Um, but certainly for work rate around the park, you certainly couldn't fault that. Yeah, he's a, he's a talent. He is a talent. And, and Andre makes a point here, kicking seems to be making uh, a comeback again. Winning teams are kicking more recently. Now if we just run through the four games just briefly, Hurricanes 26 kicks from hand to the Chiefs, 17. So, yep, it happened there. The Crusaders, 23 kicks from hand to the 13 from the Sharks. Over in um, Sydney, 23 kicks from New South Wales, 14 from the Highlanders. So in all of these games, significantly more kicks by the uh, by the home side, the winning side. The only side where, where that didn't really happen was, was, was actually over in Joburg, um, where we had 18 kicks from the Lions and 14 by the Haguaris. So, yes, a couple more. But not a significant difference, unlike the other games, um, where the uh, yeah, where the, the, the home team kicked more and the home team uh, also won uh, the, the games this weekend. Yeah, um, and I think with with the games like the Hawaris and Lions games, both those sides love to keep the ball in hand and um, run for multiple phases and only really kick when they have to. Territorial advantage. Whereas we look at the teams like, um, obviously the Waratahs have got some have got uh, Falau who loves to uh, get under a high ball. Um, uh, Dag Havali um, both like that for the Crusaders. It's not surprised the Crusaders do 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 that as well. And also the Hurricanes um, have got players that can that can get under that uh, get under that ball as well. So it's not a surprise actually those teams are, that, that we saw those teams kicking. Uh, perhaps a little bit surprised that the, the Chiefs didn't kick, um, kick so much less, but um, but that's what was there. Um, I mean, something that we'll come into probably in our end of season review and our, and, and, and probably also in our, our awards show. But Andre makes the point that um, there's a coaching point at the Sharks. Such a talented squad, um, they couldn't adjust. They can't adjust to the game. Um, and yeah, they have been the, the side I was expecting to challenge the Lions in the Africa Conference. And I'm just disappointed this season by not getting, by never being at the races, have they really? No, they've. I think they blew uh, quite a few chances and were lucky to get in the finals, really, considering that they'd beaten three New Zealand sides out of four. Um, they they just didn't perform well enough in our conference, um, which is bit of a disappointment really and um, they didn't perform as well in, in their conference either so um, the, they're a side I like to watch Paul uh, very much so um, so let's hope that they can build on some of their good results this year take that as a positive work on their negatives and I'll be excited to see them run out in 2019 and good luck to them too yeah, absolutely. It was one of the uh, the things that, um, uh, that yeah, we dis- disappointment shows that we actually were expecting them to do better. It's not. A, it's not as. It's not. A, it's. It's kind of. Yeah, it's not as saying that they're uh, be sort of putting them down or, or being anti them. Um, and they got the best logo in the competition too. Ooh, not sure about that one, but we'll uh, we'll 
maybe, maybe, maybe we'll add that to our award show and see what people think uh, as to what the best, the best logo in the competition is. Uh, I definitely think we'll have best, best and worst jerseys. Um, uh, but Mr. Rugby World Cup, um, Sharks were very lucky to get into the finals period. They were, it required a bit of a meltdown by the Rebels. But let's be honest, the Rebels had a, uh, they had very much a front-loaded season and made hay while the sun shined, but really uh, struggled um, after that. Now, if you'd like to support uh, the um, Driving Mall, then uh, please, you can uh, obviously share, tell your friends all about it. But also, if you want to um, support us monetarily, then um, you can become a Patreon of the show. Uh, it's in the links in the, um, uh, in the title on Patreon, uh, also on Twitter. Uh, and I'll put it, put it in a comment on on uh, um, on YouTube too. But um, yeah, please do uh, go there. You can uh, support the as monetarily from a, from as little as a dollar a month. Um, and uh, if everyone who did who watched this watches the show did that, then you know what um, we'd be able to go full time and produce much better and much more content for you. So please do uh, go and uh, go and do that. So after we had the two New Zealand derbies out of the way. Um, not New Zealand Derby, sorry, the two games in New Zealand out the way, the Crusaders was, was Sharks was in New Zealand Derby, was it? Um, we headed over to Sydney um, for the for the Tars versus the Highlanders. Um, and ain't the Tars with 35, uh, well, 37% possession, 35% territory, uh, and yet they uh, they came away with the win. It, it's a pretty impressive uh, performance by the uh, by the Aussies. Well, eventually... <laughs> <laughs> They were absolutely disgraceful in the first half, and that's not putting it lightly. Um, you know, some of the basic skill errors, you don't lose possession after one or two phases, and that's virtually what they got people in the <laughs> in the first half. It was it was like, uh, well, I'm, I'm lost for an expression here, um, Paul. I, it's like um, it's like going to the barbecue and finding that your steak is is rare and you wanted it medium, <laughs> and and you take a big bite and you think, well, what what's what's this? Uh, it was. I was it, the, see, yeah, I mean the the, the halftime um, score was six twenty three, uh, and um, there were a lot of. Uh, uh, people on Twitter um, complaining about how poor and how bad the Waratahs were, um, and really putting the knife in at, at half time. Um, it was was a bit of a mess. Uh, and for a side that's got um, okay, fine, they're missing Hooper, who is the the, the Wallabies captain, um, but you've still got um, Foley Beal in there uh, to be able to, to not be able to change the their. Um, the style of play on the hoof uh, with such experience and so many caps on the pitch is it, really disappointing that it has to wait until the, until the, uh, until they go off the pitch and the, and the, the coaches tell them what to do, isn't it? Well, I think, I think Daryl Gibson got some teacups ready uh, from the tea room. <laughs> and I suppose it's the old um, English football expression. A few teacups got thrown at half time with some choice language that um, not all of us perhaps um, want to hear, um, but need to probably hear it sometimes. Um, and and that's what uh, was a totally different tar side um, in the last half an hour of that game, let me tell you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah it was. This it wasn't so much a game of, of two halves as... Um, a game of a half, um, 20 minutes, and then a 10 minutes, really. Because um, all the, 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 yes, the the Tars came out and managed to um, stop the uh, Highlanders scoring in that second half. But also, they didn't particularly look like scoring much themselves until Naholo decided to try and make two head-high tackles in the space of about 10 seconds um, and get himself yellow-carded. Well, if you roll the tape 30 seconds before that, Naivoro intercepted a pass on his own line and ran 50 metres up the park. And then some quick 
play, phase play, and then you have those those two very dangerous high tackles, and and then uh, I think uh, he tried to then rip the ball out of the ruck um, illegally, and three infringements in the matter of ten seconds, and Angus Gardner, who had a, had a very good game, had no choice but to go to his pocket and and put him away for ten. Yeah, what was one of the great things this weekend was that we were not talking about the referees. Yes, yeah. we have probably got the most costly yellow card of the weekend of the entire season here, um, as has happened. And but we're not talking about referees; we're talking about the players, which is a fantastic thing um, to be doing. Um, and to be fair to the Tars, once that happened, um, Beal took the, uh, in particular, took the game by the scruff of the neck. And they scored three tri- three converted tries in that ten minutes, twenty one points, um, which put them into the the lead. The and at least two of those from memory came from them attacking down the Holo's wing as well. Yeah, uh, mate. When Beal's on song, he sings a mighty fine song. Um, but uh, when he did that, and he, he I think. Once you saw the first try, I think it didn't take too long before there was a second one and then a third. And um, I think two of them were for Bernard Foley and one to Israel Folau. So the big three in the back line said, all right, we've had enough. It's time to play now. It's time to get some points on the board. And, you know, 21 points in, um, in 10 minutes with a man in the bin. Very, very costly for the Highlanders. And you're right, Paul, it cost them their season. And um, I've got to say, you know, in that last 25 minutes, some of the Tars bench came on. And I mentioned him in the preview show, Paddy Ryan, my good mate, a a wallaby himself. Um, You know, he started to do some things with the ball. Um, You know, probably counted about seven runs so you know they got busy they got through their work and by then it was up the ball was in the Highlanders court to try and um, salvage something and well yes your, your mate Paddy Ryan not only, not only did he maybe, maybe run with the ball a bit but he, um, he also got himself yellow carded too he did yeah. and that was a right call uh, to sorry mate <laughs> um um, yeah, you don't go for the ball in an offside position, um, cynically, like that. Um, well, um, you're, you're being a bit nice, Paddy. Eh? You got through three runs for five metres, um, so perhaps a bit... Uh, but anyway, perhaps you're watching with some rose-tinted glasses. Um, but, um, the, uh, but hey, he, he, yes, he did pick up the, uh, the yellow card, but, uh, but hey, he was on the winning side, and that's, that, that's kind of what, uh, what matters. Um, so yes, so the uh, and then time ticking out, and the, the Highlanders yeah just couldn't force um, that winning try, even when the Tars were down um, to to eight, to to, uh, to fourteen men in those last few minutes, uh, and yeah, it was end up being um, an ask too far uh, to get the, the to, to pull back those seven points um, at the death. The, can, um, can I just sorry, Paul? Of course you can. Uh, um, I want to say, with no bias here, but very impassionately, that's one of the, it's still one of the gutsiest team performances I've seen all year from an Aussie side. And to say that Australian rugby did need that result is is an understatement. It really, hopefully, will inspire Australian sides to say, look. We've got the Kiwi sides this week. We're going to have a real dig. And and, the, um, and that's, that's what I'd like to to certainly see from our sides for next year. And uh, they, they need to have a real dig. And Miss, um, Mr Rugby World Cup, uh, if the Tars play 80 minutes like they did in the 40, like they did for the 40, um, they, could, they will win the comp. Um, yes, I think that's perhaps a little bit... Um, uh, I, I understand you're saying you never say never there, uh, Mr. Mr. Robbie Walkup, but I think you're being a little bit optimistic um, with that one. Um, I think so, yeah. 
because they have to they have to travel to to Joburg, um, where the lions um, took on uh, the Haguaris. Now, the Haguaris uh, um, had the best of this early on, but uh, but they couldn't get across the whitewash and had to settle for penalties. And I think that that was a uh, going to be a, a big a big difference between these two sides. Yeah, and then chasing the game against the Lions. Um, to their credit, they got within four. Um, but I think, as you mentioned last week, experience comes through in 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 a lot of sides. And uh, I think the Lions just had a little bit more experience and pulled away again. Yeah, they so did. Uh, it was... The Lions were, were made, to, made to put in a big shift, 167 tackles uh, compared to 91 by the Haguaris. Um, but uh, even though the Haguaris made like two-thirds of the tackles, um, they missed as many uh, as the Lions did. So only 75% of their tackles were, were made by the Haguaris. Um, and yes, they were, um, they were chasing the game from early on. Whilst they did get those two, those, those, those two early penalties, um, the uh, the Lions came back um, with, uh, with 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 two um, with two tries. Um, a really awful defensive read by the Haguaris player um, for the crossfield kick. He ran straight past Combrink as Combrink caught it, and just Combrink had to walk over the line. I really don't know what he was thinking there. Um, uh, another try on 15 minutes with Yangchi's uh, with his kicking boots on. Uh, and then Malcolm Marks making a, a good intercept uh, at just as the Haguaris were trying to break on a, on or counterattack from a kick, um, and suddenly it's 21 uh, points, uh, well probably more than that because there's a penalty in there as well. Isn't there? So it's 24 points to six, um, and you've got to say the Haguaris had had a lot of the play, had the opportunity, or, or, but just couldn't uh, couldn't convert them into, into seven point into five and seven points. They're only able to take threes. And. Um excuse me, taking threes in South Africa is usually considered a good thing, but against attacking sides like the Lions, who only need a little bit of ball. And when they get a little bit of ball, they get a little bit of roll on, and so do their backs. So, you know, the it's the scoreboard pressure, as you mentioned earlier, Paul, and you don't want to be chasing games in Joburg or, or Cape Town or... In fact, any of the South African sides, because they can hurt you. Yeah, and I think when you look at that, that intercept try, that probably was partially from the Haguaris trying to push it and, and making a pass that they really shouldn't have done, um, which lost them another seven. And, it's, and it was 24-9 at half-time. Um, so the the second half was probably... Um, uh, I think I scored 20... No, actually, the second half uh, yeah, was trying whether the Haguaris won the second half or not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um so, but the yeah, definitely the Lions didn't have to um, push it so much in the second half. You saw the Haguaris chasing it, and you saw them making errors, um, which has led to their, their 16 turnovers uh, compared to 10 by the Lions. Um, and yeah, as, as they chased, the more they chased the game, the more errors they made, and yeah, the, the Lions just managed to see it home. As you say, they did get back within four, but as soon as they did, because I mean that was on. Oops, just got under. Because um, that was our, um, on 49 minutes, but then you got Kowitzi going over on 57 minutes soon afterwards uh, to reopen that gap, and then Elson Yankees not only um, kicking the, the penalties but also a, a nice drop goal to to make it a, a two point a two point game. You don't see as many drop goals, do you, Paul, these days? So um, hopefully it's bringing back a fine old tradition that. Um, that uh, that uh, many South Africans have done in the past. So, bring it back, boys. Bring it back. It was not the best drop kick I've ever seen, but it was effective enough. It went over, and that's all that counts on the scoreboard. Um, and he, yeah, that's his first one of the season. So perhaps he needs a bit more practice, um, uh, as you say. It's one of those funny things. Drop goals sort of came back into character for a little while towards the end of Dan Carter's international career, um, but seemed to have sort of disappeared from, as you say, from the repertoire yet again. Um, it would be nice to have it come back, though. 
This one drop goal I never want to be reminded about again in a certain World Cup final, Paul. Well, yes, it was that. Um, but uh, yeah, I say since he's since he's retired from the international team, you've not really seen that many of them. Uh, no, he, he was perhaps the last last guy to sort of resurrect it um, from it. And the Haguaros had that wonderful run in mid-season, kicked off by their four wins in. Uh, um, Australia and New Zealand and then three more home wins to make a run of seven wins on a trot which got themselves into the finals but they didn't manage to win one game in South Africa all season um, so uh, yeah finishing the season on three losses which Andre admittedly did predict um, and a lot of us said no that was never going to happen but uh, Hagarise has shown they could they, should, they they could win on the road but they didn't manage to, many, manage to win any in, in South Africa all season, and that, that's probably their that was their Achilles' heel in this this season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and you know they they lost the last two by double digits. So um, look, I hope they really they take that in and learn from it because obviously that it's a vital they've become a vital clog now of the. South African Conference, they, they've made the finals, they now know what finals um, rugby union and super rugby is all about, and, you know, they'll certainly be remembered for a fantastic run and some entertaining rugby this year, and um, it's my hope, my impassioned please hope that they come back in 2019 rearing to go again and and getting stuck in and hopefully, you know, challenging for those final spots again um, with wins in South Africa next time. Yeah, and it's something that we'll, we'll, we'll get onto when we review them as, as well, probably maybe wait to the next season preview. But uh, I mean, Sanchez is moving to Europe, uh, which is going to be a massive loss for them. Um, the, the, sort of the, 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 the way they've messed around a bit with saying they're going to pick European players and then change their minds, they're not going to pick European players this season. But they said they will pick them next season. Means that um, in the Rams Rugby World Cup, uh, means that you've got to wonder as to whether the Haguaris can maintain their strength, or whether they will be, uh, uh, or whether they'll leak players a bit too, a, bit, a few too many players this se- that's, uh, over the off season, and we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, that is a concern. We do want them to come back and, and, and perform. Um, because they justified their place in the competition this season. They have, and hasn't it been fantastic to to watch? It's it has got a lot of fans enthralled. Um, I certainly want to get my hands on a, a memento jersey because um, you know love that orange jumper that they've got. Um, they certainly wore their their jumper and their heart on the sleeves which I can certainly respect. Um, they're a good bunch of lads. They, they play a very physical style of rugby, and it's been a real joy to watch. It just hasn't... The last three games proved maybe that their run had gone a little too far this time. Um, certainly, you know... We, um, Obviously, they now can go into camp for the rugby championship, and let's hope that they can play some good competitive rugby against Australia and South Africa and New Zealand. We'll see how we go from there. But yeah, and, and something that I've actually not it, uh, I've, I've not noticed. In fact, that's something I need to catch up on and do some research on. But um, obviously, the, um, the the Pumas coach resigned at the uh, the end of the the June tour. So the Pumas will have a new coach for the rugby championship. I don't know who that is. Um, I've not read um, what's happening there, um, but that's going to be a, a big part of that. Um, Andre Oscar. Did you say Ledesma's the favourite? Um, the as I, say, I don't know if it's been announced already or not. I've not seen. I've, I've, but um, my concern around Ledesma is I, I this as far as I'm aware. This 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 season with the Hagarides is his first head coaching role. And before that, he was with uh, the Wallabies as the forwards coach. Um, and so you've got to say, look, with less with well with with just one season of Super Rugby under his belt as as the uh, as a head coach, um, 
do you want to be throwing him straight away in as head coach of the of, of, of the Pumas? Um, I thought that uh, what would have been a, a good situation is for him to do this season, next season, and then take over after the Rugby World Cup. Um, taking over this far out from the Rugby World Cup, I mean, given four years to the next Rugby World Cup, obviously. Taking over now, if he takes over now, they have a disastrous Rugby World Cup, then does he get, uh, uh, does he unfairly get sacked early without being given the proper four years to, to try and do it his way? Uh, that's that's my concern with him taking it. But um, but he's had a very good season with Hagaris, so uh, yeah, I can see why they would go for him. If I was him, I mean, it's difficult to say no to a job that isn't available every day. It's a job that comes up once, uh, once every four years, or if if, if things are going well, uh, and if if someone else takes that job, that role does well at the Rugby World Cup, they could suddenly be in the role for six years, and he's out of it. So um, he's in a difficult situation where, if he's offered it, it's hard to say no. But I, I think he's a little, I think he could, he could do with um, another super, another year of Super Rugby experience under his belt. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the um, uh, they had to experience what no Kiwi Aussie teams ever have have ever had to do and play three games in Africa are tough. Um, they've not had to. Do that. Yes, you're right. Quite, you're right. The, the, the New Zealand and uh, um, Australian teams don't play uh, three in South Africa. They play two games over there um, under the current setup. Um, under the old. One, I'm not sure whether they. Oh, okay, no, because there's always five teams. So anyway, yeah. So, but um, but yeah, no, the, the Australian and New Zealand teams haven't had to do that um, this season. Um, under the old system, just quickly as you mentioned it, um, from the previous two years, they um, it depended on which Australasian conference you got um, in terms of your five games, and you'd play three on the trot in that country. Not in no, because I think you'd still only play because the the, the, the the conferences were four teams in Africa, so you play those four teams, so you play two at home, two away. So, under the 18, okay. under the four conference system, I think you're there's still when you visited South Africa, you only played two games when the South Africans came across. Yeah. So, here they played more. Um, yeah, they played three, yeah, when and they I, came across, yeah, but when the New Zealand yeah. and Australia teams went to South Africa, yeah. I was thinking I when we so. went back further than that, when we when you had the the five te- the five South African teams in South Africa that uh, whether you would actually play um, all five teams and whether you play three of them there and two of them at home I'm not sure anyway that's my I was just trying to do it from memory I, I'd have to go back and check my facts um, on that one um, so Shane let people know where they can have a chat with you um, actually before around between shows and then after that I'll let everyone know what we're talking about on the hash rubber chat tomorrow night yeah, so um on at school of mate s c eight on twitter come talk rugby cool um so the show tomorrow night is the hash rugby chat um some of the topics we'll be talking about uh, we'll be talking about actually our favorite moments from the super rugby um quarterfinals we'll also be talking about some um, player eligibility eligibility rules for the rugby world cup after some of um, charles piertow's um comments um we will also be um talking about the Pacific Rugby Players Welfare um, uh, thing I mean, that's been set up in France. I think it's like uh, there's, there's several hundred players, uh, Pacific Rugby players um, are playing overseas um, and their welfare. We'll also talk about the uh, the whole idea of, of cheating in rugby. Um, but before we go, Mr. Rugby World Cup asks, would Super Rugby work if we all just played each other once? Right then. Do you fancy a do you, do you fancy a, a bit of a chat about uh, about Super Rugby format um, to finish? Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay then. Right. So, would it work if we all played each other once? So let's um. Right. Which games do the fans like now in New Zealand? The fans like watching New Zealand derbies. In Australia, um, if you look at the turnout, again the, the Australians on the whole like Australian derbies. So, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so if you're only playing each other once, you're going to reduce the number of derby of derby games, which is bad for as far as fans in New Zealand and Australia are concerned. Um, and what part of that is, the reason we like that is, our, our our competitions that happen 
the level below Super Rugby, so the Midas 10 Cup and the NRC, have different teams than Super Rugby, basically. So it's different, and it's nice to see, and it's nice to have derbies when it's different. The problem is, over in South Africa, the Curry Cup has effectively the same teams as Super Rugby, plus a couple of, uh, of, of extra ones in the Grickass and the Pumas. Um, the Pumas are a South African side, not a Argentinian side. Before anyone gets themselves confused, um, uh, and the Cheetahs obviously in there as well from pro, but they're also they're up in pro um, pro rugby. Uh, the Kings are in the second division of of um, the Curry Cup. So um, the so. Um, and Bulanda, I think, was also part of the Premiership last year. Anyway, uh, but the, the thing is that the Western Province and the Stormers, I think it is, um, yeah. the Sharks and the Sharks, the Bulls, the Blue Bulls and the Bulls, the Golden Lions and the Lions, the Cheetahs and the Cheetahs, um, all are, high, are, are closely linked to each other. Now, the international are traditional sides. Yep, the traditional sides, and the internationals are obviously away with, with internationals, and a few players are. Um, have flex, flexi contracts like we saw in Australia, so which means they can go play um, in Japan as well. But the you, they get to see basically these derbies during the Curry Cup. So the whole beauty of Super Rugby for in South Africa is that they're playing overseas teams; they're not playing each other. So for South Africa, they love the idea of playing overseas teams. In Australia and New Zealand, we love we love to play our own, play ourselves. Um, so it would work great for South Africa, um, except for the travel. Uh, but it would, work, but it wouldn't work for New Zealand uh, and Australian audiences. So, uh, so what do you think, Shane? Would it work playing each other once? It, it did. It did in the past, in the early stages of Super Rugby, before Super Rugby expanded. That, that's just Pap's opinion. Um. It's very very interesting. Um, so it depends on the market. So so in my case as a fan, I watch all the Reds games. Obviously, um, if I didn't, there would be something horribly wrong. I'd probably spend too much time at the the getting popcorn or something. <laughs> but uh, I, as a fan, like to watch. Our sides play the South Africans, and I like to see our sides play each other. Um, I know people say there's no benefit in, you know, us going into Friday night or Saturday night fight night, which is what we refer to our derbies as, because it's a, a, a tussle um, in years past which they've become more exciting the last couple of years and better, better skill level. But um, the, the fact is that for Australia and New Zealand, we love watching the Derby games because it, there's a marketplace there. Obviously, it's doubled up in South Africa where you have the traditional sides minus the cheaters who are in pro rugby um, play their derbies and... But you've got a bit of interest with the Argentinian side in the conference system. So it, it really depends. I mean, I can see why the new, some arguments, and I, I don't know who's leading the debate there, Paul, about the round-robin system. Well, we've, it's something for 2020 because 2020 is coming up and, again, the format will be discussed and... And where do we go? Who knows? So, a um, couple of points to, to bring up. Uh, so, so that's, that's from the fans' point of view. Uh, there, there are another couple of points of view we're going to um, uh, have a look at this from. And one of those that you kind of brought up with Fight Night is from a player welfare point of view. So, the ones that are driving it, as you say, for, also for just rewind a second, sir. Um, Andre goes, if I remember correctly, the Sharks played the Lions six times last year. Now, that's six times if you include the Super Rugby and the Curry Cup. If you also include what was the Vodacom Cup and Vodacom Cup, and I think it's now Super Sports something or other, um, which is played at the same time as Super Rugby and is based at the level belief that then you're probably ending up with more than six times, Andre. But yes, the Sharks play each other three times. Sharks and Lions play each other three times in Super Rugby. I think they then played each other home and away in the Curry Cup and also in the finals of the Curry Cup as well. So if you've got 
those six games, plus say, the Vodacom Cup ones, which is another couple of times, and you're up to sort of eight times playing the same game or the same teams playing each other, it gets a bit samey. And that's the problem in South Africa from a fan's point of view. Now, um, from a... Um, so there are three other angles we'll take this from. We'll talk about from a competition point of view, uh, from a player from a from a, um, a player welfare um, fight night point of view, and then from a travel um, point of view as well. So on the fight night side of things, yeah, the thing that's driving it currently, um, and it's come out. I mean, Chris Boyd has come out and said this. Um, Kieran Reed is another one. Is that there are too many injuries caused by the intensity of derbies? Now, which I found is a kind of an interesting one. Um, that uh, why are the derby games more intense and causing more injuries than the games uh, against other countries? Because um, the points count the same. Um, well, if you, if you look at the, the, the koala on my jumper and you look at the waratah of the New South Wales jumper and you, you look at the history behind the rivalry is a bit like Auckland and Canterbury in New Zealand, which is, a, a, I believe, Paul, a very traditional rivalry over there. There uh, is... Not, not, now, nowadays that uh, Auckland is so poor, it's not, uh, it's not been such a rivalry recently, but yes, go on. <laughs> but but it, you notice that the, the koala wants to play that waratah. It means something to... It means gold jumpers are on the line. Um, same with the Waratahs when they play the Brumbies or we play the Brumbies. We are the traditional three super rugby sides, the, the, the official traditional sides in New South Wales and Queensland. It, it means something to go to Brisbane or to go to Sydney um, or to go to Canberra or, or whatever to, to get in there and play Aussie rugby and show Now, national selectors and national coaches will be at the marketable games first, um, particularly Checker. Checker will go to derbies because he wants to check on who's going to be wanting that wallaby jumper more. So, so there's that market and element there. Yes, there are injuries, I suppose, um, that just goes with the physical nature of derbies. Um, but, uh, yes, the, the, from player welfare, you certainly can understand that as well. It's They're very physical. And I'm sure, Paul, you'd agree the same thing happens in, in the Kiwi derbies as well. Yeah, it does. I'm just a bit surprised why. But I guess, yeah, it, it's about fighting for that, uh, that international jumper, um, really, isn't it? The, so then I'm, I'm sorry. No, go on. Sorry, Paul. I, I do want to point out that every other game you play, whether you play a South African side or a, a Kiwi side, you ju that goal jumper's still on the line. It's just what makes those derbies extra special. Yep. But I'll, I'll stop there. The um, and that, so then from a, a competition point of view, and Mr. Wilcox goes only the top at best. Eight teams should qualify for the finals, period. Um, okay. Now, again, this is from, a, from a, 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 a marketing point of view and a dollar point of view. If you don't have any finals games televised during the South Africa time zone, that's not going to help the, the TV revenue um, and the marketing. You have to have a game during that time zone. And so having one game guaranteed per country, for the quarter, at least at the quarterfinals level, um, that's, that's added that's had a... A good time for people to watch, uh, I think, is essential, um, and so that's why we have that conference system and why the first three seeds go to uh, the conference winners. Um, in the last few years, we've always ended up with the best two teams in the final, um, in the Hurricanes, the Lions, and the Lions and the Crusaders. So, and it's been any um, particular complaints. This season, we may see the best two teams actually meet in the semi-finals, which is the Crusaders versus the, the Hurricanes. Um, but still, uh, I, I think that sacrifice is worth it to have those have, have finals games in, in the right time zones. Yeah, and 
Look, the, the last couple of years, obviously, we had the four conferences and everybody that finished first got a home final. And I guess that's where people would argue the lopsidedness of the, the competition came through because in one of those African conferences, they would bypass the New Zealand conference or they would bypass the the, the Australian conference and what have you and that's where you had a lot of complaints naturally so oh yeah and, and um, there's, there's a, bun a bunch of problems with 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 the four conference system uh, the, the different size conferences three qualifying from two South African conferences five qualifying from the Australasia conferences it was a mess it was difficult to understand now though it's 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 it's, it's simplified you've got three systems you got, so you got three. You got three conferences. The top team from each one goes through uh, and gets themselves a home quarterfinal, and the next best five teams go through. It's simple. And it's yeah. easy. It's not. I, I, I'm not. Um, the other. The old system. I agree. Was a bit of a mess and complicated, but we've moved on now. Uh, and thank, I think we've got a simpler system. Uh, and I'm comfortable that this is that this or something like this is what we should have had previously. Um, really. Absolutely, and I think you know we've whether we agree on which team should have been culled or not, and that's for another time and another place um, between a, between Australian rugby fans and 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 the like, and and even the South Africans, which two sides they should have culled or not. Um, we've got the right system in place now it's a very much simplified system eight eight home, home four home four away games with your derbies two home two away against South Africa two home two away against New Zealand you've got an eight four four system which is was six five four for the last couple of years we've moved on from that We've got back to a system that is comfortable and easy to work out. Yeah, no, I, I, if just I mean, very briefly, if, if we'd moved the way I think they should have moved from last year to this year, it's gone from, it's gone from three conferences of six, put the Hagarais into New Zealand, the um, Sunwolves into the Australian one with with the uh, with the Force, and left the six in South Africa. But hey, that's um, that's all water under the bridge. And the final one, then, if you're doing the round robin, is the travel factor. Is that I mean, Andre is saying that the uh, that um, it would not be a factor for South African teams. It doesn't change anything for them. I'm sorry, but it does. It means that they would have to travel for five games in Australasia rather than four. So it's another it's an extra one. Um, uh, and so uh, all uh, it does create extra travel. Um, uh, so that's why I think the common system is better for for um, uh, for, the, for the travel um, on that one. Um, if, and only hypothetically, Paul, if you went to back to the old system where everybody played each other once, mm -hmm. home teams would naturally argue that you're going to play seven home games instead of eight. So they're all automatically losing one game in revenue. Yep. Yep, there would only be 14 games rather than 16 that we have now. Um, so we'd actually have to add more teams to get back up to 16 again. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, th that as well. Yeah, you don't get enough games um, for for the season. Andre goes, why not have the Pro 14 system for Super Rugby? Oh my word! So uh, the way the Pro 14 system works um, is that they have two conferences of seven. Um, the four Irish teams are split into two, so there's two in each one. There's two. Welsh in each one. There's one one Scottish in each one, one Irish in each one. Uh, sorry, one uh, Italian in each one, and one South African in each one. They play everyone in their own conference twice. They play the derby games, and they play one in the other conference once. Um, the so having that one, um, I've not sat down and done the figures, but again, what I what I like to see is when, when I, as a season ticket holder for the Blues. I wanted to see all four other South African teams, sorry, all four other, other New Zealand teams, sorry, visit Eden Park and get to watch them. I didn't get to do that previously. I wouldn't get to see some of the teams. 
So for my mind, uh, actually the Pro 14 system would would allow that. So, that, so maybe maybe that would work. I'm not sure, but um, where you play play all your derby ones, um, I'd have to um, sit down and uh, have a look at uh, look at that one. I haven't really thought that one through yet. So um, we've overrun. <laughs> Unless you have any final points you want to want to make. No, well, I don't know the European system very well, Paul, so I'm in no way, shape or form in a place to comment. Um, other than to say that come the end of the rugby world, probably in between the rugby championship and the World Cup next year, Behind the scenes, there'll obviously need to be discussions on where we go to because the next lot of rights are coming through for 2020 and beyond. Well, so, no, the current one runs until 2020, so the season after Super Rugby. Uh, so, so, so 2021 onwards is when the, yeah, it has to change. So obviously that we're, we're in a situation where we're going to let the conference systems run its place. Obviously, New Zealand will have their views. South Africa will have their views. Australia, well, we always have our views. Um, so they'll have to come together. And, and and obviously, we shouldn't forget there is a team in Argentina and Japan as well. So we can't forget their views either. Um, yeah, and the 2021 ones is uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, we already uh, the, we're going to have expansion again. We're going to have a, a, a Pacific Island team. We're going to have another Argentine team. Uh, that's that, that's that's a discussion for another night. I'm afraid that's gonna, that's another long discussion as to how we expand Super Rugby next time because it's going to be expanded whether people like it or not. Um, we'll be back. Let's say hash rugby chat tomorrow night. I've already told you the topics there. Um, on Wednesday night, we're going to talk uh, the All Blacks edition. We'll talk about the Rugby World Cup and we'll also talk about some comments made by Grant Fox calling for Damien McKenzie to make better choices. So we'll have a discussion about that as well and a few other All Blacks topics. So join us for that. Don't forget, become a Patreon, support us. If everybody um, who watched this video gave us $1 a month, we would be able to go uh, full time. So please do um, do that. And uh, um, yeah, hopefully we can go full time and uh, bring in more high quality rugby uh, content.